Hey, nurses. Welcome to the Nurse Dot Podcast, giving nurses validation, resources, and hope one episode at a time. Today on Nurse Dot Podcast. When did it become acceptable for a, a visitor to get in your face and threaten you? That's never acceptable. When we talked about nurses pressing charges, I do encourage nurses to pursue that. I, I'm like, don't think that that's part of the job. Joining us today, Terry Foster, a registered nurse with 47 years of emergency room experience at a health system in Edgewood, Kentucky and the president of the Emergency Nurses Association. Terry is currently holding a position of clinical nurse specialist and has spoken at conferences in all 50 states, primarily around emergency and critical care nursing, but also speaks about nursing humor, compassion fatigue, stress management, and for today's episode, violence in the workplace. I'm your host, Kara Lunsford, registered nurse, and VP of Community at Nurse.com. Terry Foster. There wasn't anyone better that I could think to talk to than the president of the Emergency Nurse Association, somebody who had worked in emergency nursing for 45 years, to talk about what nurses are experiencing maybe now more than ever, or was it always this way? Have you seen violence in the workplace since you started 45 years ago? Well, there's a couple ways I can answer that. And I I would say emphatically nothing like what it is today. When I started many years ago, periodically, we might have a family member, a patient, a visitor, whatever, who would kind of act out and they were squelched pretty quickly. However, along with that, 45 years ago, it was sort of deemed as that just comes with the territory. I remember actually before I was a nurse, I was a clerk and I remember a drunk guy kicking a nurse who was pregnant and knocked her against the wall. She was like seven months pregnant and they didn't really know if the baby would be okay. And it did. But I do remember that being an issue and there were no charges pressed or anything like that at all. So through the years, I would say it's become increasingly a volatile situation in a lot of emergency departments. I work in a system where we have six emergency departments and I kind of have all of the types of the ER, a suburban large emergency department, three community hospitals, a critical access hospital in a rural area of Kentucky, and then also an inner city freestanding emergency department. So that's where, you know, we can see violence in all of these departments as well. We do have security at our hospital, and I think they try really hard and we work really well with them, but our security guards are not armed. They have stun guns, and most hospital security officers are not armed, is my understanding. And so we also do not have a metal detector in our emergency department. And that's been talked about a lot. A lot of emergency departments do. And actually, they're very surprised at the number of weapons that they take for patients or visitors as they try to enter the department. And most of the visitors and patients are not upset that they have to turn over that weapon. Uh, They understand that. Uh, But getting back to kind of the current status of violence in the emergency department, 
Um, I can remember maybe about six years ago at an emergency nurses association conference, one of the officers said in this room of maybe about 500 emergency nurses, uh, would you please raise your hand if you have been a victim of violence in your emergency department? And I can tell you, Kara, I think 99% of the nurses raised their hand. It was a stunning moment. The air went out of that room. I mean, we've all been saying that, but it was just like, oh my gosh. And you look around and there were nurses in there in their 70s. There were young new nurses in their 20s. And I hope this doesn't sound sexist. I, I'm a father of a nurse, but I look at these maybe young, smaller bill female nurses. And I just think, oh my gosh, like I see my daughter and her. There just seems to be an escalated incidence of incivility amongst visitors, amongst patients, in the public. You know, we see sometimes on social media or on the news, a lot of times on the news, you see somebody going off on an airline. You know, somebody's videotaping this person, just going, throwing stuff and punching a flight attendant and all that kind of stuff. Or you see somebody in a restaurant picking up something and throwing it at some poor server who's making minimum wage or things like that, or picking up chairs and throwing them in, in a McDonald's. In our emergency department, we can't tape you doing that. Sometimes it's taped on security systems, but we can't take out our phone and tape that. So I think the public doesn't have a true idea of the incidents that occurs in the emergency department with the frequency that it does. And that's what really scares me. Sometimes I can help to de-escalate that situation. And I do feel like there's a maturity aspect there, you know, just come on, hey buddy, let's deal with this here. Where do we go? Maybe you got off on a wrong foot here. Let's start over. How can I help you? And sometimes people sort of give pause to that and then kind of start over. But there's some people that I can't de-escalate that. It, and, it, and it's escalating even more. And that's a situation where, you know, is it a patient? Is it a family member? If it's a family member, we're obviously, obviously going to call security or police but I'm going to make every attempt I can to resolve their issue, calm them down. If your kid's in pain, you're anxious. If you're, you know, your mother's in, in congestive heart failure, you're anxious, you're acting out. I get that. But when it becomes a safety thing, then, then all bets are off there. And then if it's a patient, what is the reason for that volatility? Is this person confused and disoriented? Is it mental illness? Is it a high fever? Is an electrolyte imbalance? Is it just, you know, where this person is just, you know, has uh, bipolar schizophrenia, they're hallucinating, all those kind of things. Then those are things I can address as a nurse in concert with the physician, as well as, you know, maybe a psychiatric social worker. Maybe I'll have security there as a, as a stand down, just to show a force there to, you know, help us out in case they would potentially go off or, or become violent. What stands out to me there that you just said is the number of people that you would bring in in the event that you had a patient that was potentially dangerous, where you were concerned for your own safety. I, you know, I heard you say like, I'd bring the doctor, I'd bring a social worker, I'd bring potentially another nurse in the room with me, a security 
and all of these things. And to what you're just saying, it's like, as we start to thin out this workforce and all these different resources that have been available to us maybe in the past, now with this short staffing and saying, well, you know, maybe we don't need a CNA or an LVN. We'll just have nurses and we don't have enough nurses. To me, that's one of the major problems because yes, of course, it's part of our job that we're going to have patients who are potentially dangerous and we have to have the tools and the resources to be able to care for those people safely. So I agree a hundred percent. And I think it's very much a factor in the tenure in nursing, where if you feel threatened at work, you have to feel safe. You think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs that goes for nurses as well. And um, I always think about this, like if I was walking through a grocery store and someone just came up to me and started threatening me and in my face and cursing at me and spitting on me, and they took a swing at me and they hit me, I can call the police that person is hopefully put in handcuffs and charged and things like that. Why? Because the fact I badge in, do I lose that right? And a lot of us do. And it's not just nurses, it's physicians, it's techs, it's it's uh, EMS, it's firefighters, and of course, it's police officers too. And, and again, I think we have more of an understanding and a compassion when it is an older person who's confused or or somebody who's delusional, those kind of things. I, I have more understanding for that. And I don't think that's our biggest problem. It's just more where, hey, I was here first. You took that lady back. You should have taken me back, blah, blah, blah. And they start throwing stuff and start attacking staff or We've actually had patients attack other patients before, which is pretty scary, you know, for things like that to happen. People have gone off in the waiting room, go off in the department. Uh, that's very scary. And it's not just the emergency department. The past two shootings of nurses, one was a nurse practitioner that was shot and killed in an office, a psychiatric nurse practitioner. And then in Texas, two nurses that work in OB were shot and killed on a postpartum floor. My daughter's an OB nurse. I mean, that just really hit home for me. But interestingly enough, in most hospitals, security is called to the emergency department the most. And the second place they're called the most is the maternity units, labor and delivery, the nursery, the NICU, and a postpartum floor. Because of a, a slang way for saying this is baby mama drama, baby daddy drama. That and, and every nurse knows what I'm talking about when I say that. Or there's a tremendous amount in some places of issues where our children having to be removed. Is there chemical dependency? Is there abuse going on? And and that whole volatile situation where where you thought about you know, years ago, oh, it's, you know, cute baby and a mom and dad and, and everything's, you know, hunky-dory. Not, not so much, you know, it's, it can be a very tense and potentially volatile place to work. So, um. Hey there, nurses and nursing students. We know your job isn't just a profession. It's a calling. Now, with Nurse.com, your nurse life is all in one place. Imagine a world where career opportunities are tailored to your skills, where you can find peer support in the Nurse.com app, the only networking site built specifically for nurses. Continuing education, events, peer support, and jobs? What more can you ask for? Ready to take the leap into a role that is truly yours? Check out Nurse.com forward slash jobs today.
in nursing school, which was 16, 17 years ago, one of our, the psych uh, professor, she said, it's all psych. She said, every department you're in, it is psych. And you are dealing with people, their emotions, their issues, everything. And whatever's happening in their life, you can just kind of blow that up 10, 50 fold because now they're sick and in pain. So it just magnifies anything that is already happening in their life. And we know that society in general is stressed. We have major, major stressors that are affecting people, economic stressors, disparities. And and then you take that person who already probably has not great coping mechanisms to begin with, and now you put them in a waiting room where they're waiting five, six, 10 hours to be seen. Their tolerance just starts to drop and drop and drop. So it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when it's going to happen. I, I agree. It's so funny you said that about your nursing instructor, what she said, because a number of years ago, I've spoken for a lot of conference nursing conferences, and this was like maybe a med surge nursing conference, maybe med surge and critical care. And I did a breakout session called Every Nurse is a Psych Nurse, because you have that NOB, you have it on med surge, you have it in the ICU, every place. And and it was more about how to handle things when a patient escalates on a med search floor and, and how to sort of de-escalate that, what are precipitating factors, what are warning signs are about to go, all those kind of things. And the lecture went very well. I do remember I got a really rough letter from a psychiatric nurse who said to me, and she signed the letter and everything. She was like, every nurse is not a psych nurse. You know, this is what we have to learn. And I I can't remember if I called her or I wrote her back. And I knew what she meant. And maybe I should have tweaked the title a little bit. I didn't mean like, yeah, we could all work psych and, and have no problem because we couldn't. I just meant that we have those patients on all over the hospital. As a matter of fact, at our hospital, we develop a BART, that's Behavioral Assessment Response Team, like a code team or rapid response that a med surge nurse or a, a clinic nurse or whatever can access this team and have security and a supervisor and a like a technician and things like that who respond, who help uh, to deescalate those situations because they occur all over the hospital. So Yeah, and, and I totally knew what you meant. I understand what that nurse is saying that if you have a specialty, it's like, oh, my specialty is pediatric oncology. If somebody said, well, everybody's a pediatric oncology nurse, you'd be like, well, no, that's not true because you could go your whole life and never take care of a pediatric oncology patient ever. But that is not true of nurses when it comes to treating psych patients because we will absolutely 100% come in contact with some kind of psych in Uh, our practice. Daily. Daily. Absolutely daily. You cannot get away from this needing to be a part of your skill set. This is a skill set that every single nurse has to learn. De-escalation, self-defense, protecting themselves, knowing like that certain things, like you don't want to go into a room by yourself. 
Absolutely. And if you, if those, if those hairs on the back of your neck are going up and you're like, you're right. like, this doesn't feel right. Like you don't go in there. It, it's interesting. I always tell nurses to go with their intuition because sometimes they'll say, I knew that guy was going to go off. Well, if you knew that you needed to say something about that and not that they didn't, but you can, it, you just sense it. And so, you know, give us a heads up on, on that situation. If you're wrong, fine. That's great. But most of the time we know, and, and with that clinical experience comes that intuition. It's not something you necessarily feel your first day of nursing school, but with experience. And I always tell uh, nurses that I work with, do not let the patient or family get between you and the door. You know, always have that protective mechanism. And then one other thing that you mentioned um, is you know, you think about how many illnesses are stress related. And I think about that, you know, like, I mean, hypertension, heart disease, strokes, all this, any GI problems exacerbated by stress, you know, any kind of pain, chronic pain, unmanaged pain, all of those things, you know, thyroid conditions, stress exacerbates that. And so who, what patients do we see in the hospital? All of those types of patients and, uh, you know, their coping skills, as you say, go out the window. They really do. So uh, I try to keep that understanding and support there as best I can. But also when we talked about nurses pressing charges, I do encourage nurses to pursue that. I I'm like, don't think that that's part of the job. Fill out that report. If it's a police report, have security involved, document that. And, and are you okay to still be working or to return to work? I need to check in with you mentally, but also physically. Are you able to do that? Because those things worry me. I think a lot of nurses have a bad back to begin with, you know, and stuff like that. Did, did some physical altercation worsen that situation with you? So I'm I'm always aware of that. Try to be. I really love that you say that because I think we have to constantly remind nurses to honor themselves and take care of themselves and prioritize themselves and to really for a second just think, what do I need? What does my body need? What would I tell my patient right now? If this happened to someone else, if this happened to someone I love, one of my family members or one of my patients, what would I tell them to do? Most of the time, it's not the same thing we would do because we're like, oh, I'll just stick it out. I don't want to go. I don't want to leave my, my colleagues and stuff like that. And you know what? The best thing we can do for this profession is really to take care of ourselves and, and take our own advice. Because if you can leave for a day, you might have just bought yourself an extra year of working in this profession, as opposed to if you are just like, oh, you know, I'll just, I'll muscle through it. It's like, no, you're not going to get any badge at the end of this that I says, agree. you know, I, I'm the biggest martyr, you know. You have to draw those boundaries, do the reporting like you mentioned, like make sure you file a report. That's self-love. That's protecting yourself and saying this is not okay. This cannot happen to me and should not happen to any of my colleagues. And I agree. Yep. It's, it's also it protecting your coworkers because if you're documenting the incidents of that, the word gets out and there's data there and the data helps support changes a lot of times. And when did it become acceptable for that to happen, for a, a visitor to get in your face and threaten you? That's never acceptable. And actually, I think we have very good administrative support for that where I work at. Some nurses don't have that or they've been discouraged. And then unfortunately, I don't think it happens too often 
but I know that sometimes law enforcement has discouraged the nurse from doing that. Most of the time, police officers, law enforcement, and nurses work very hand in hand, but I've heard those situations, and that's very frustrating. Coming up in our next segment. We see patients, I always say that nobody else wants. You know, their family doesn't want them, their nursing home doesn't want them. And in those places, we regularly see patients who the jail doesn't want. Welcome to a segment we call the Dot Spot, where you will hear more of your voice and a little less of mine. You can visit nurse.com forward slash podcast to share stories, feedback, and requests. As a valued listener, you will also receive discounts on nurse.com courses and CEUs by using code nurse.dot at the checkout. one thing that I've noticed right away from when I started nursing and up until now, it's kind of on the line of violence, but it's lateral violence within the workplace, bullying in the workplace. One of my research papers at school was about that because I've experienced that a lot. Being a younger nurse and younger looking nurse and a women bull environment, I think that's one of the big, big problems that there's not really a solution to. And I hate that. It makes me really angry, especially when you're on the outside watching it. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. They make it seem so normal. In school, they're like, oh yeah, nurses eat their young. And I'm like, I don't think that's real. That can't be real. And right away, it happens. And it happened with a boss. It happened with a lot of people. And I'm just like, what's going on here? I love whenever new nurses come, I'm like, I am happy and ready to help you. If you have any questions, you can ask me. Like, don't be afraid. Like, everything's gonna be okay. And that's what the nursing community needs. After everything we've gone through, especially during COVID, we don't need to put each other down. We have to get together and build each other up. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Do you find that, or do you have an opinion on this about private hospital versus county public hospitals and what we find to be permissible and and what we don't and if they are a insurance carrying individual versus you know are you part of the county system I went to county for my schooling my schooling wow. after two years of county so Great. I mean it, it was like it was rough I think I know what you're saying and I I would say that um I have not seen that case. Uh, I do see two completely different situations. I think county hospitals, inner city hospitals are a more guttural place to work. Um, and, and you see the lowest of the low 
It, but I think nurses in that area sometimes, unfortunately, get desensitized to that. And it's just like, oh, yeah, he's drinking out, he's throwing this, he picked up an oxygen tank or whatever, like that that behavior is acceptable. However, in those institutions, a lot of times they have armed uh, police departments in, in the emergency departments. I've been to a couple uh, different departments or a couple different hospitals that I've spoken at or visited or whatever and seen that. And I think that definite show of force is is very much um, in place and very much a deterrent where sometimes in suburbia areas and stuff, I do think it stands out a little more, you know, when somebody comes into this sort of country club hospital area or whatever and acts out and things like that. But really, care it's everywhere. It's critical access. It's freestanding. It's clinics. It's physician's offices. It's emergency departments everywhere. I think it's all of those areas. And uh, But I, I kind of know what, what you're asking. And I, I've never seen where they've said, well, this guy's a rich guy. We're not going to press charges or whatever. No. I mean, he assaulted a nurse or a physician. We're going after him. You know, I don't care if he's rich or not. We're not going after him to sue him as a hospital. We're charging him because you can't do that to our staff. Yeah. I think that's really uh, important to highlight that, you know, sometimes we feel like, okay, this became very customer service oriented. It's like the customer is always right. And so you kind of lose some of your negotiating power with them or your ability to find diplomacy with the person because they're like, I'm right. My satisfaction, the patient satisfaction is what matters. I know that that's true. And reimbursement is also tied to patient satisfaction. You know, and it's like, I don't know how many patients are are super aware of that, but we are certainly aware of that as uh, healthcare practitioners that this is something we're supposed to be mindful of is keep them happy. And I think sometimes in the county hospital, what I witnessed was a little bit like, Maybe some of these people didn't even have family. They didn't have support. They certainly didn't have advocates. And right. so if you felt threatened as a nurse, you just throw that person four-point restraints and you're like, we're good. Yeah. And, and yeah. May, they may or may not be in them longer than they should be. <laughs> right. I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And I think in those areas, often we see patients, I always say that nobody else wants, you know, their family doesn't want them, their nursing home doesn't want them. And in those places, we regularly see patients who the jail doesn't want. I mean, think about that station in life that you, the jail won't even take you. And they're brought to emergency departments. Um, also on the flip side, when we're talking about, or I kind of mentioned the country club hospital. It can be intimidating to have a patient who's who comes in as like, if you don't do this, I've got I've got my lawyer on the phone. I've got my here, okay, and this nurse's name is Terry Foster, you know, those kind of things. Or they'll videotape you, which they're not allowed to do. Of course, I can say you're not allowed to videotape me, but you know, I'm not going to get in a confrontation, take their phone, and I'm going to remain very professional like that. Or they'll say, I'm going to call my doctor, or I know who to call. I know I'm going to call the joint commission, or I'm going to call the state, or I'm going to, that patients sometimes, or their families know how to access that stuff and use that as a threatening behavior where I'm, I'm going to take care of you no matter what. I'm going to try to take care of you. Whether you're calling somebody or threatening somebody or or whatever, I'm, I want to take care of you and get this get this resolved. Uh, so I don't, in a nice way, I don't care if you're going to call those areas. I'm still going to take care of you. Look, everybody gets upset when they go into a hospital or they feel like they have to 
defend their loved one or advocate for their loved one. And I'm just going to say that age old thing that, that everyone says, it's like, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. And I guarantee you, and, and this is not for the people who have some sort of mental illness or we're not talking about those people. We're just talking about the regular people, okay, that are visiting a hospital and they're either there because they're a patient or they're there because they're a family member or a friend of a patient. The best thing that you can do for you or your loved one to get the best care possible is to be super kind to the staff. I really want to encourage people, you know, if you want great care for your loved one, like just come in, bring a box of donuts, like bring whatever, just like, what can I do to help you? How, how can I make your shift better? Is there something I can do? Can I run out to the store and grab you guys some snacks or something? These small acts of kindness they go such a long way. I agree 100%. Uh, my uh, mother passed away about, uh, let me see, nine years ago, and she was in a nursing home the last two years of her life, which is really difficult as a as a nurse to have to put your mom in a nursing home, but she required 24-hour care. But in those, they had nur- nurses there, mainly LPNs, but a lot of nursing assistants. And I would say to them, what is your favorite drink, you know, and they would tell me, oh, I don't know. And I'd say, no, what, what do you drink? Do you bourbon, wine, whatever. I would try, I would, in, in something hidden, bring them in a bottle, obviously to take home, or I'd give them a gift card. And I felt like if that was just one extra thing that they would remember to check my mom or whatever and say, this family's real nice. And they were wonderful. And I didn't have to do that, but that was really a neat thing. I think for them, and and then even after she died, Kara, I made some lasagna meals and would take it down there. And again, they're making minimum wage to clean up, you know what, and stuff. And then I want to mention one other thing. When I talked about the families a nurse, I think one of the best things to disarm a nurse uh, who is a family member, not that you need to do that, but, you know, this may not be your specialty, whatever illness your family has, if it's cardiac or neuro or whatever, but if you're a nurse in a family, everybody thinks you know everything about it. And I always say, I always say, oh, you're a nurse. And then I'll say to the patient, okay, we're going to do nurse talk. Is that okay? And they go, yeah. And I'll say, hey, this is what a CBC looks like. The scan showed this, the ER doc I trust with my life. What else do you need to know? And they're like, thank you. You know, it just, you just sort of that connection and we can, we can do nurse talk, you know, and you, we'll do this and do that. I, I think that's so helpful. And even if the family's not a nurse, I'm an authentic person, what you see is what you get, but we can all schmooze. We can all fake it. What do you need, Miss Jones? You're upset, aren't you? Okay, I'm sorry. Let's figure out what's going on here or to the family. And I, I want to help them. I want to, but we can schmooze and we can make it a little bit better. I remember, I don't know, a while back, I heard a nurse about ready to lose it with the patient. I walked by and I was like, can I help you? And she said, yeah, I'll take care of her and walked out. And and in the next hour, taking care of her, trying to get her discharged, she was on my last nerve and I did everything I could. I finally got her discharged, but she was absolutely unreasonable. But I just, I poured it on for an hour and that nurse apologized to me later on. And I was like, you don't have to apologize. I understand. You took care of her for six hours. 
I hit her for one hour. I swooped in for one hour and she thinks I'm all wonderful. And I didn't let her put you down either, but I know how to do that. And I didn't have a patient assignment. So I, I was able to kind of come in and do that. So that's how we have to come together. In your opinion, someone who's been in this industry and for 45 years, in your opinion, you don't have to laugh when you say that. Okay. It's like amazing. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's okay, amazing. Back, back past, I don't back even past. know how okay, you've stayed in here for 45 years. It almost seems unimaginable. I think for a lot of nurses that do listen to this, they're just like, 45 years? They're only in it for five. And they're like, I can't even imagine making it another four decades. Um, and it was different when I started. I mean, right. I, I just let's put that out there. Okay. Actually, because I know I have to let you go soon. So I want to ask you two questions. Okay. All right. Yeah. One, being a male nurse, what was this like 40 years ago? How often did people think you were the doctor? Um, a lot of times, I think my most frequently asked question was, are you the doctor? And I would say, no, I'm the nurse. And I remember one time we had a female physician and some kind of drunk guy said, are you, are you the doctor? And I said, no, I'm a, I'm a nurse. And he was made some kind of, oh, well, okay, I guess, I don't know if he said I got a gay nurse or some kind of put down like that. And the female physician walked in and he goes, and what am I supposed to call you little honey? And she said, you can call me doctor. And I was like, yes. I mean, she just said, he was like, whoa, crap. I was like, yeah, you better shut up, buddy. So oh my but I, gosh, it, it was great. just like, I know it was like, it, it was really good. How she delivered it was just sort of like, just sort of like just put him in a spot, you know? So it was oh, great. I love that. I, I wanted to get your perception on that just because you've been in the industry for so long. And lastly, in your opinion, what do you think the major solution is to this kind of crisis that we're experiencing with this escalation of of violence like how how are we going to protect the sustainability of this practice what can we do um i would say i don't know that it's actually one answer i do think any type of violent act like that at all the word needs to get out that you will be charged with doing that. I think having administrative support for that, you cert they certainly have the Emergency Nurses Association support about you know no, no uh, tolerance for violence. If I knew of an emergency nurse that was assaulted, she could call me. I my my phone number is on the ENA side or whatever. I would support them, help them, defend them, what whatever I can do. And I I mean that very sincerely, but also. Our association would as well. I hope managers are there to, to support those. And I think the more that they support nurses who point out this behavior, hopefully it will set a tone. But it's also with physicians, American College of Emergency Physicians. I, I actually was in a brief meeting with them about two weeks ago with a couple of the officers there. They mirror the same concerns that we have as well about the violence against emergency care workers. And I don't care if you're if, if you're acting out on the registration clerk or a nurse or a doctor, that's that's that we're a team. That's all of us. And, and we're and just not tolerating that and supporting people who do say I'm not tolerating it. I hope and I pray that it gets better. I, I do. Thank you so much. I, I this has been just an incredible 
interview, Terry. I, I feel like I could interview you for another two hours about a variety of things. So I have to have you back on. I have to urinate so you can't interview me for two more hours. I'm 65. I have a bladder the size of a watermelon. Okay. And it's full. <laughs> That sounded a little dirty, kind of. I didn't mean it that. did. It did. But why not? Why not? Why not just finish it off with a little bit of dirt? <laughs> oh, geez, okay. So, Carrie. oh, well, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. But I would love to talk to you again. Uh, seriously, I, I, I would just love that. You have a spirit about you, and uh, I would just love that. And 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 so, thank you, friend. I'll see you later. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. If you are a nurse who enjoyed this episode and you have an idea for future episodes, you can connect with me by downloading the nurse.com app. See you there.